Welcome to Hawks and Lavender Rose, a heart-centered podcast dedicated to community through the foundation of love, trust, and advocacy for conscious living. Welcome to Hawks and Lavender Rose. I am your host, Shauna Gulbrand. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. I am thrilled to announce that I am joined by friend and tarot card consultant, Anne Hentz. Anne Hentz is a solitary eclectic witch, a pranic healer, a Yusui Tibetan Reiki master, tarot consultant and teacher, and holistic counselor certified by the, by the American Society of Alternative Therapists. Anne has worked closely with psychic medium John Holland, spending several years co-hosting the Psychic Tarot Hour on Hay House Radio. She was John's consultant for his first deck, the Psychic Tarot Oracle Deck, and she wrote the book for his second deck, Psychic Tarot for the Heart, which I own both. Anne has also ghostwritten several articles for John for various magazines, and she joins us today. Anne, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Later on in the episode, Anne is going to draw some cards, bring a message for someone who will be listening to this episode once we post it. All right, are you, are you ready to get into the interview, Anne? Yes, I believe. I have a whole bunch of questions for you. (laughs) All right, so we're going to be talking tarot today. I love tarot cards. I use them every day. I have a deck at my sacred space that right after I'm done meditating, I draw like an ally card for the day. And then I have my favorite deck, the Witch's Tarot. That is upstairs at my desk, and I generally draw three cards a day. Uh, just to give me a sense of what kind of day it's going to be. When I have gone to have my tarot cards read, I've gone to Anne because she is, she's the one. And so that's why I'm so excited to have you here. So Anne, when did you first become interested in tarot? Well, it was a long time ago, um, probably 30 years uh, at least. And um, I was working in the corporate world and um had always been interested in uh, this sort of thing, but not specifically tarot cards. And a friend that I worked with showed me a newspaper, and this was back when psychic fairs were really just starting, and they were just small little affairs. And she said, look, a psychic fair, we should go to that. And I said, sure, why not? And it was, I'm not even sure where it was, but it was a one-room affair, nothing like the big events in Marlboro now and, and all of that. Um, so one room affair, there might have been, I don't know, six long tables with crystals and decks and books and things. And, and I wandered over to one table and there was, uh, it was the Merlin tarot. And I was so fascinated. I saw the, the, the box and the imagery and I thought, I want this. And then, you know, I was working in corporate America. So my left logical brain is saying, and what do you think you're going to do with that? And I'd put it back and I'd walk away. And I went back to that table many times. And finally, I'm standing there looking at the box with my left and right brains warring. And my friend came over and said, you know, either buy it or don't, but we're leaving now. So I grabbed it. Uh, Got it home, found that it was a very non-standard tarot. Um, Didn't actually work with it. It was was quite different. But it caused me to buy a standard uh, radiant weight, or at the time it was a rider weight deck, and I started to work with that. So that's that really hooked me into it. Wonderful. Um, how did you learn it? And and well, as I'm asking this question, I'm thinking about a conference that I went to a couple of years ago, where we were all given a deck of the brilliant, the rider weight, the what's it called, radiant. the brilliant one? Yeah, radiant. Radiant, that's what it's called. So as we're opening it up, one of the facilitators goes and she comes back into the circle and she's holding a trash barrel. 
And what she did was she walked all the way around and we were all told to put that little booklet in the trash. To like not even go, don't even look at that. Throw it right in the trash. So how did you learn tarot? Okay. Um, and I, I, let's come back to throwing away the little white book. But um, I learned it. There were a couple of, of women that I studied with. They were fairly local, not terribly local. Uh, independently at different times who were absolutely wonderful. Um, and then I, I studied with Laurie Cavett. I took a tarot class. In addition to the studying the craft with her, I took um, her tarot class. That was kind of cool. Um, I studied with Christopher Penzak. Um, studied with James Wanless. He's the creator of mm-hmm. the Voyager deck. Yep. Love this deck. Yep. You actually gave me one of those decks. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so besides finding various teachers to study with, um, I read books and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. Um, that's really uh, so important. And what does that mean to practice and practice and practice? Um, the best thing that I recommend is um, pulling a card a day. You say you pull three cards a day. That's great. But if someone is trying to learn what the cards mean and learn how to relate them to everyday life, Um, the night before or first thing in the morning, you shuffle the deck and you say, I'd like a card that will have significance for me for today. And then I like to fan the cards out, select the card, you look at it. Um, and then if you're still learning, read what the book says. I don't, I don't, I don't want the books to be thrown away, but don't stick with the little white books. Those, those can be thrown in the trash. Yes. Um, but get, get a good book. Um, and really learn the, the basic meaning. There's no excuse for not doing that because that gives you a foundation for then allowing your intuition to come into play and, and, and so on. Um, so pull the card a day, look at the card, say, okay, I see what this is. I look at what it means in the book, read the book, and then take some time looking at the um, card and see what meaning it might have for you that might be a little bit different. How else do you see, say, the four of cups with the guy under the tree looking all bored and he's got three cups and there's this hand offering him a fourth cup. Four of cups is importantly a card of opportunity, but it's an opportunity that has to be looked for. But too many people get stuck on the boredom aspect when in fact it's a card of opportunity. So you want to work with what else you see in the imagery and so on. Um, and then go through your day, keeping that card in mind. And at the end of the day, when you come home, look at the card. Hopefully you have it set up somewhere so that you'll see it. And um, reflect a little bit and say, ah, you know, how did that come into play for me today? Sometimes it'll be in a huge way. Um, and sometimes the way will be more subtle. And on occasion, you won't, you won't recognize it. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Move on. Do it again for the next day. Right. And I absolutely respect the, I, the uh, practice of understanding the basic meanings of the cards through books. I would also like to add in websites. I have bookmarked uh, a handful of go-to websites for me um, because there are those times that I'm like, well, just give me a little something here. Uh, but going with our intuition is, is definitely key as well. I like to do my best as uh, to put myself in the card, mm-hmm. to imagine I'm right there in the card and then to feel what comes up for me as well. How and when did you discover that you had this particular ability? Particular ability. Um, that's where I think it's important for everyone to realize that everyone can do this. So it's not like, um, I'm special. Well, I like to think I'm special. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a special person who therefore can read the cards. Anyone can read the cards. Um, All it takes is a strong desire to put in the time and a willingness to practice, practice, practice. Um, Oh, and other ways of practicing, not just pulling a card a day, but um, you can see the teddy bears over there behind me. Um, grab a teddy bear, sit it in front of you, or your, your coffee mug. I could read for the little owls on my coffee mug. Um, 
Make up a question for the bear or the owls. Make up a question, pull some cards, um, and tell the story to the bear or to the owls on the mug. Um, that's going to get you practice in and say it out loud. Don't just look at the cards in your head saying, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I know what that means. No, 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 no. It's so important to, when you're practicing with that teddy bear, speak to the bear. Say, interpret the cards out loud. Tell the story out loud because there's such a difference between saying, yeah, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I know what those cards are saying and actually um, speaking it and uh, being clear about what the meaning is and what the story is. So that's kind of an important part of practice. Um, I forget where we were. That's a great I mean, idea. Any, anybody can do this. Anyone can do this. Yeah, so do you consider this ability a gift? I think the gift comes in if you have an interest. It's not a gift as in a talent. It is more, it becomes a gift to yourself when you decide to embark on a tarot journey and learn the cards and work with the cards. That's when it becomes a gift to yourself. It's beautiful. What did you do in your prior life, Anne? I know you mentioned a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Um, for almost 25 years, I was um, in the corporate world. I was a corporate educator, course developer in the last five years, technical writer. Um, but more and more, especially in those last five years, I really began to feel disconnected from what is real. Um, I felt like here I am in this cubicle with a bunch of guys working on technical documents. When I finished with them, I shipped them to New Jersey to another cubicle where other people took over. And I thought, yeah, I know this is important because ultimately there's a big mainframe and somebody needs these documents to, to do whatever. But um, so I started building a little, a little, um, tarot and witch altar on like the corner of my desk. And that helped me bridge my two worlds of where I am because it was a good paycheck and I needed to, you know, pay bills and eat regularly. I was very fond of eating regularly. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was able to bring in that other aspect of me and I thought I was going to get a ration from the guys for starting this. I even have, a, I should have brought it. I have a little bear about this this big, uh, dressed like a witch, little teddy bear dressed like a witch, so cute. So the more I put in that little corner of my desk, um, it was really interesting. There were, I guess, three other guys in the cubicle. And when everyone else was gone and there was only one guy there, each, each in turn would roll their chair up to my desk and they'd say, tell me about that. What is, what is all that? And I'd explain, you know, what, why the crystal was there, why I had a card there. And they all responded with interest and like, that's, that's really cool. Nobody thought it was weird. Nobody thought it was stupid. So it was really kind of cool owning it at that point and bringing it into the corporate world. That is great. And what made you decide to become a professional tarot consultant? When was that shift for you? And with that question, that deck that you bought that day at the psychic fair, when was that in your corporate life? Was that during your corporate life? And at what point? Yes, that was early on in my corporate life. Um, well, so if I was there for 25 years and maybe, maybe that was only 25 years ago, but it was very early on that my friend and I went to that psychic fair. So I had been working with the cards for a long, long time, okay. not professionally, certainly. Um, but studying and, and enjoying. Um, and what finally cut me free to do this mm, is, um, words. <laughs> oh, that's totally what it felt like. Um, I was at Lucent at the time and they, I had been with them through their Western electric, AT&T, Lucent. I left before Alcatel. They were trying to um, reduce the numbers. And so they offered early retirement. And if you added, five years to your age, five years to your service, and you hit some magic number, you could take early retirement. And I, I did the math and I said, oh, excuse me, 
excuse me. And that was it. And so I, I left in, I think it was July and I, um, spent the summer on the deck with my new baby lizard, Madagascar. He's 19 now. Oh my God. Um, and then when it was fall, I thought, okay, it's time to get another job. And in my mind, I was going to get another tech writer job. Duh. Um, but I kept looking at them thinking, oh, I don't want to do this. And I finally said, okay, what would I do if I could have anything I wanted? What would I do? And the first thing that came to mind and what had been, I had jokingly been saying for years I thought I'd go to the beach, I'd dress like a gypsy, and I'd read the tarot cards. <laughs> and I thought, well, wait a minute. I don't have to go to the beach. Nope. And I certainly don't have to dress like a gypsy, nope. although that would be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I could read the cards. And so that's when I started to, to really say, yeah, that's, that's really what I want to do. And we took it from there. That is beautiful. I'm reflecting on my own journey because I was working in Cambridge for 26 years in July, June 30th of 2016, I left. They were offering early retirement package. And I thought, okay, this is it. It's time to do this. And did you have any fear involved in that? And if you did, what would you say to someone who's listening, who's on the fence about doing something similar to what you and I both did? I did have fear because it was, it was a decent salary that I was giving up for a pension. Yes. But it wasn't going to be my salary. Right. Um, so yes, I had fear. Um, but what I found interesting and then I'm going to move on to the advice. But what I found interesting is um, I did get another job that fall, but it wasn't in the corporate world. Um, one of the engineers who had um, also taken early retirement, she called me at one point and said, charter school, inner city, needs a reading tutor. Come. And I'm like, what? No, 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 no. She can, so she convinced me. So I said, yes. And I, I went and they said, yes, please come be our reading tutor. Very shortly, they said, please take over the eighth grade language arts. And I was like, oh, wow. oh my God. Yeah. Um, but I did. But now I've got a teacher's salary instead of a corporate salary. Right. And, you know, at the end of that year, I realized I didn't miss it. I, we were fine. It didn't, nothing. We were fine. Yep. on far less income. And so I was like in my 50s at that time. So I, uh, they didn't have a curriculum. They didn't have anything. So I just couldn't do it again. I was exhausted. Yeah. Um, but that's when I thought, okay, no, this, I'm really going to do this now. I'm not going to try and get a regular job. I'm going to um, work with the cards and work establishing um, a client base and, and teaching and see where that goes. But my word of caution, and I've, I've said this to many people that I've read for because they are in a job that they don't like and they've said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to, I'd like to do Reiki. I'd like to you know, be a tarot reader instead. I was able to do it because I had a pension, because I had worked in corporate world for, you know, roughly 25 years and I had saved money and, you know, so... I always caution people, be careful in just jumping from the job that you don't like and hoping that you're going to make money reading the cards or, or right. you know, that's, you want to balance that sometimes. Cause look what I did. I, I stayed with the corporate job for years and years and years while I was practicing on the side. Right. So. Great. Thank you for that. So tell me, or let's tell the audience Okay. How do tarot cards work exactly? <laughs> They're magic. They are magic. Uh, okay. Um, so that was silly, of course, but there's nothing magical about this paper with this lovely image on it. But, um, and this is my take on it. We don't really know how all this works. 
Um, it's like saying, who's God? Mm, I don't know. You know, who's God? Um, my belief is that, and not just my own, that of many people, um, all time exists now concurrently. Um, we're human, so we need to experience time in a linear fashion. Right. I did this yesterday. Tomorrow I'm going to do that. Um, but I believe that out there in whatever we choose to call it, um, superconscious, matrix, source, um, everything that has ever happened and has, could have happened, everything that is happening now, and everything that could potentially happen, all of that information is out there now. And so through our intention, intention is the key, um, using our beloved tarot cards, uh, we use them and our intention to connect with the information that we need that's out there. Akashic records, people will call it the Akashic records as well. Um, and somehow we zero in on the information that we need to pull into the present to share with the client. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. I've always believed that everything is now, um, well, in thought. But recently, I mean, I'm talking like the past week, so it's really interesting that you brought this up. I've been working with that belief that everything is right now. Yeah. Right now. And it's, it's a little mind-boggling but I'm still willing to play with it. So I love that you described how tarot works in that way. I love that. Thank you for that. How do you give a client guidance and or advice? Okay. Tricky words there. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. Advice. We don't give them advice. No. Um, because a tarot reading, it's not cast in stone. Um, it's a tarot reading will give you the likelihood or the probability of what might happen based on current energies and decisions that the client has made in the past, um, and is likely to make in the future. We can say this is likely to happen. And so if you like what you see in a tarot reading, then uh, you keep on keeping on. But if you don't like what you see, you don't run screaming from the room and cursing the tarot reader. You say, oh, wow, I don't want that to manifest. So I'm going to make different decisions. I'm going to believe differently so that I manifest something else. And in fact, in a reading, if we find that, um, gee, this is a likely outcome and it's not so great, maybe we should manifest something else, you can pull guidance cards to say, how do I shift this? So tarot is really, it's very cool because it's very empowering um, to help you create the future that you want. Amen. Um, I'm looking at my phone for a moment because there was a time that I came to see you. I don't have it. I deleted it. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Anne. This picture, you did a year for me. There were four, four, four. And that photo has been on my phone it, it, it was around it was probably a year before I left Cambridge so this must have been in the end of 2014 maybe 2015 you did this reading for me and I took a picture of those cards and I'm not kidding you it's been on my phone I swear I probably deleted it within the past year even though those years had already passed or that year had already passed I kept looking back at it, and when you were talking, it reminded me, and I'm actually a little sad that it's not on my phone anymore, um, but I wanted to share with you that I looked back on that so many times because that reading I had with you was that impactful. Oh, nice. And the cards that I drew that day were exciting for me because I knew things were going to be happening. And, and I had the intention on leaving the Cambridge hospital and I didn't know how, right. But I was willing. And I remember those cards being so powerful and so exciting. And I knew there were wonderful things ahead. And that's why I kept it on my phone all those years. 
Nice, nice. Ah, oh, that was lovely. Thank you for that. What, if anything, has been your biggest challenge in regards to being a tarot consultant? Um, probably two things. The first was um, owning that skill and owning that profession and um, saying, yes, this is what I do. I'm a tarot reader. I was so reluctant to, to say that to people, um, especially people that I knew, that only knew me from the corporate world. Um, but like the little altar on my desk with the little witch bear and its crystals, etc. as soon as I did that, as soon as I would say, oh, what do I do? I'm a tarot reader. I'm a tarot teacher. People were interested. Nobody, at least to my face, said, what a wacko. Um, but it took a while to get there. It, it did. The other challenge um, was setting boundaries. At the time, early on, now to schedule, people have to go through my website and they can see what's available and they sign up and pay and it's, it's automatic. Um, but early on, people would call my house. They'd call, I'd answer the phone, uh, although I stopped that soon, off, soon enough. Um, and they'd want a reading right then and there because I had answered the phone. I must have nothing else to do. I have no life other than being there to read the cards for them. Right. Um, so it took me a while to really set those kinds of boundaries and say, no, uh, I can read for you on this day. And, but can't you read for me like right now? It's only a few minutes. No. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, part of that I got through by not answering the phone anymore. If I didn't know who was calling, they'd leave a message and then I'd, I'd deal with them. Um, the other boundary is um, I still, I won't even say I struggle with it because I'm pretty good with it. But it's, if somebody signs up for a half an hour reading, ending it at half an hour. Um, because going over is so easy and you get so involved with the client and, you know, you care about them and you want to help them as much as you can. And so I'm more than likely to give them a few extra minutes, but early on, I would give them way, way, way much more time. And then when I'd hang up, I'd feel bad for myself that, you know, that wasn't honoring my time. So those were a couple of the things that I really had to just learn to work with. So it sounds like overcoming by overcoming your challenge, you owned who you are mm -hmm. and you found respect for yourself by setting up boundaries with people. Yeah. And it's great. What about tarot brings you the greatest joy? Um, that's easy. That is, um, I don't do in person well, certainly not with COVID, I don't do in person, but um, I was still doing them in person um, at circles. I stopped doing them at my house. But seeing their face light up or on the phone, because the bulk of my readings before COVID were still on the phone, um, hearing the change in their voice, hearing the excitement about what the future can hold for them, mm -hmm. seeing them shift, um, knowing that they left me feeling better about themselves and their situation than they did when they either sat down or, you know, called on the phone. That's, and there are times when I'll have, you know, difficult readings. Um, and, you know, some people are in terrible situations and it's, it's tough to read for them. And, and some people are just not as much fun to read for as other <laughs> people. Um, and sometimes I'll find myself saying, Oh, I've been doing this for so long. Why am I still doing it? And then the very next reading, Spirit will send me someone that lights up and I'll say, oh, this is why I still do it. Some of your comments um, may have already answered this next question, but what is one of your greatest frustrations about tarot reading? Yeah. Um, I think... It's people who 
first of all, want me to tell them what to do. I will not do that. That's just dangerous. Um, People who will not admit that they have any role in creating the difficult situation that they're in. Amen. And people who it's very clear are not willing to change in order to shift the situation. And you just want to reach through the phone, you know. Uh, Wake up! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are uh, just... But what I... I hold out the hope that once we hang up um, over the next couple of days, what we've talked about will sink in and maybe they will shift. But it's, it's, it can be frustrating. Interesting. I was on a call with a girlfriend of mine earlier before we started recording and she was talking about some frustrations she was having. And I posed the question to her because I knew it was safe to pose the question to her. And I said to her, what role are you playing how are you getting this to happen to you? Yeah. And there was silence on the phone for a moment. <laughs> but she knew. She, she, and she actually thanked me for reminding her to ask herself these questions from time yeah. to time. Right? The only change always begins within us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Outside will change once we start changing the inside. Are you willing to share a memorable experience that you had when it comes to a tarot reading? It's one that I share with my uh, beginner students often. Uh, And it's about once you know the cards and you're comfortable tying them all together um, and realizing the story that they're telling, then it's really important to trust your your intuition. And if you feel you need to say something totally different about a card, just speak it. Um, This was my very, very, very first public event. I had been working with my friend and chatting with my friend saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read for the public. And I'm sure I'm going to do this, but I, I wasn't. And she called me one day and said, okay, I need help. You need to come and read with me. Um, at the Stevens estate, they were having a big Halloween party and they had just told her that now they had 150 people. And she said, I can't read for 150 people. So you need to come with me. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I, okay. (laughs) Um, so it was a Halloween party and they wanted us to dress up. So I had my beautiful, lovely, shiny, um, kind of a, I don't even know what to call it, soft, silvery, long gown. And I had a cloak and that was very adorable at the time. Um, But this was my first time, like for real people. Um, So we got into our separate corners of this huge room and uh, first person came and sat down in front of me. It was like my first one ever. I didn't know the person. And I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. This will be okay. And it went fine. And the person got up and left, thanked me and left. And I thought, okay, good. Yeah. So now the very second reading that I'm about to do, a couple come in and stand in front of me and they say, can you read us together? Now inside I'm like, I have no idea if I can do two people together. But, you know, outside I said, certainly sit down. (laughs) So now I'm very nervous, very nervous, but I'm, being composed and generally I prefer questions because I want to know what do you really want to know blah blah but I said that to them so what should we look at what are your questions what's going on and they said no we just like a general reading and I'm like ah Ah. now I've got two people in front of me I don't know what to do with both of them and they don't want to ask me any questions they want a general reading but I said okay just just you know relax and do this so I have a spread that I will use. Uh, normally I don't use a spread, but a spread that I will use when someone really just says, no, I don't have any questions. They always do, but they only come out later. And I did this general spread. Now the first card came out and it's just the justice card. 
my mind started thinking, okay, justice, that's usually my karma card and blah, blah. And I was about to say what I would normally say about the justice card. When out of my mouth comes the justice card, sometimes that means a run-in with the law. And now I'm horrified. I'm thinking, who said that? Why did you say that? That's not what you were going to say. But it came out. And I'm still looking at the car thinking, oh, damn. Um, and I look up at them to say, and, and saying, as I'm looking up at them, does that have any significance for you? And I look up and I see that they're both looking at each other and they're nodding. And I thought, oh, my God, it does. And they nodded to me and they said, it does very much. We're about to be sued. Wow. I was like, yes. So it was just so exciting. I mean, spirit obviously said, you can do this. Yeah. Here, have two people at once. Here, no questions. Here, say something that you wouldn't normally say about the justice card. And it worked. Wow. And I really settled down after that and said, you know what? This stuff works. Yeah. And I'm just going to go with it. Wow. That's a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that, Anne. You're welcome. I'm curious. I want to know <laughs> what happened to them. I'll never know that. <laughs> What would you say to someone who's on the fence about booking a reading? Okay. Um, or let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. What okay. would you say to someone who's on the fence about booking a reading or enrolling in a class with you to learn tarot? Okay. If we're talking about a reading with me or one of my classes, I would say just do it because I know who I am and who I am inside. Um. My classes are way fun. People should just come. If they're all interested, they should just come. There are no stress. Uh, we have a wonderful time. So that's good. Um, but if it's for a reading, again, if it's with me, just do it. You have nothing to lose, uh, much to gain, may gain some insights. But if it's not with me and it's not with someone that I can recommend, then I would say maybe think about getting references uh, do a check-in with your intuition because not all readers have high standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that makes me, brings me back to, even if you're having a reading with me, take all readings with a grain of salt. Yes. Um, don't give your power over to another person, even me. Right. Um, Take the information, see how it feels. And if it doesn't feel right for you, set it aside. Yep. You know, maybe think about it in a few days, but don't believe what a reader says just because they're a tarot reader. One example I had uh, years and years ago, um, a woman would come into the old circles of wisdom in Andover. And <clears throat> I read for her many times, and she was a lovely middle-aged woman, lovely well-dressed, well-spoken, but had no relationships. And every time she'd come in, she'd want to know, am I ever going to have a man in my life? And I'd pull the cards and I'd look at them and I would turn them around and say, look, yes, the energy is right for you to have a relationship. You can do this. And what would she say to me? No, I don't think so because Years ago, a reader told me that I'm never going to have a man in my life. And look, and I, and I don't. And I'm saying, you know, why you don't? Because you've owned that. You've believed what she said. You've taken it in. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I said, why will you believe her and you won't believe me? But that other reader got to her first. And what is it going to take for her to change that belief? Well, she'd have to do it on her own. But I, what I imagined was someone like this person you're describing needs an outside influence to, to get her to change her mind. I, I feel like she doesn't have that power to understand that it's her, that she yep. can just release that belief that's holding that, that man back from coming into her life. Yep. And we had that conversation over and over. I kept oh. saying, believe me, not her. But so, you know, watch readers take in what feels right. If someone says this will never happen, 
disregard that right away. Absolutely. If they say, oh, I see a curse on you, but for $50, I can remove it. <laughs> Just laugh and walk away. <laughs> I have had a handful of tarot readings with Anne Hans, and she has extremely high standards. And if you are on the fence, book a reading with Anne. You will not be disappointed. What can they expect from you if they do book a reading? Okay. Um, I'm not going to do a woo-woo psychic reading where I tell them everything that they already know about themselves because uh, that's kind of useless. Mm-hmm. Um, my readings are dialogues. I mean, if you don't really come with an exact question, we can do a general reading to kick us off. But basically, I want to talk to the person. Typically, when someone sits down in front of me or when I pick up the phone, I'll be saying, okay, so what are we going to look at today? What are your questions? What's going on in your life that you want clarification on? And we talk about what that is, you know, the relationship or the career or the whatever. And together we formulate the best questions to get the person the information that they really need or want. Beautiful. Conversation. What types of readings are you currently offering? Um, anything goes except medical. Um, my readings uh, will cover relationships, career, um, interactions with children, um, pretty much anything, but not medical. And I, you know, unless I, I refer them either to a medical intuitive, if they know one or to the medical profession, you know, you want professionals to deal with that. The reason that I think it's dangerous to do a tarot reading for someone's medical questions um, is because of the law of attraction. Suppose someone sits down in front of me and everyone in their family has died of cancer and they are perfectly healthy, but they're petrified that they're going to die of cancer too. And if I pull some cards and to say, you know, let's look at this, you know, what will your health be like? What if the death card comes out? Oh, I might look at that and say, oh, you know what this is? I think, you know, that little bad back that you've had, I think you're going to let go of that and it's going to be fine. I can say anything I want and they will be hearing blah, 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 blah. Because all they're seeing is the death card. I'm going to die. I'm going to die of cancer. Oh my God. And I've planted that seed. So anything goes for a reading with me but not medical. I've done tarot readings for other people over the years. And whenever someone sits down with me, I go back to a reading I had with you where you said to me, I don't answer questions about health. And I still use that. So when any, if anyone asks me to draw cards, I say, I'm not, don't ask me about your health because I'm not going to be answering any questions about your health. If you have questions about your health, you need to go see a doctor or healthcare professional, whatever it is. So thank you for that. Um, and how do, so in the types of readings that you do, are you, clearly you're not doing in person right now because of COVID, but how, what other types of readings are you doing? Email, telephone. Oh, uh, yes. Um, My, I'm blessed with an international clientele at this point. So it's pretty cool. So I'd say 90% of my readings um, are over the phone. Um, When Circles of Wisdom was still able to to be open, I do in-person readings there every Tuesday because of COVID. I'm still reading for them every Tuesday, but it's on the phone. And I do email readings. People like email readings because um, it's a hard enough for them. And they can go back to it and they can reread it. It's a lot more work for me, so it does cost more. But um, So that's an option as well. And do you do them on Zoom? I don't right now. Um, I may start that. I think the problem with Zoom for me now is I'm up in my loft, but my laptop is always on the third floor but my laptop is always down in my office on the first floor and if somebody books a 15-minute reading it means I have to disconnect my laptop take the cable lug it upstairs in order to do a zoom and it's easier to just come upstairs and do the reading on the phone right okay 
Would you be willing to talk just a moment about your international clientele? I know that we talked about this before we started recording. We were talking about how Hay House does not do live shows anymore. Right. And you, so would you like to share a little bit about that with this audience? Sure, sure. Um, it's been really amazing and an amazing journey. And it was hooking up with John Holland um, a gazillion years ago. Um, and being on the Hay House radio show, his clientele is international. And so people got to know me. And, you know, I still think of myself as just, and hence, I live in Methuen, you know, it's, that's what I am. But, you know, I'd be up here sitting in my loft, being just me, but finding that I'm now doing a reading for a person in Trinidad, or China, or Japan, or Spain, Portugal, uh, all sides of Australia, all the provinces in Canada, almost every state, um, South Africa. <sighs> Had someone from Israel in my class the other day, because it's a, a Zoom class now. So I find it really amazing that the world has become so small mm. as, as a result of, of all of this. And I even had someone, when I picked up the phone, back when I used to do that, because it rang, and I said, you know, hello. And she said, oh, hello. Well, I would very much like to book a reading with Anne Hence. And I said, oh, hi, this is Anne. And she was like, oh, I, I thought you'd have a bank of operators answering your phone. And I looked around my office and I said, no, that's me. <laughs> Here I am. So it's been a lot of fun. Before you tell folks how they can contact you and all that you have to offer, even though you've already been talking about that, would you be willing to draw some cards for our listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what did we decide on? It was a message, a message for someone who's listening. Yes. And I thought after we talked, um, we could maybe do two quick ones if we have time. Sure. Um, one on a more personal level for someone who will be listening to this podcast. And I'm sure that it will affect um, many people, not just one person. Sure. And then do one more for um, a physical either career or something in their physical life. But we'll start with the personal life. And I, I love the Voyager deck, plug James, James Wallace, uh, for interpersonal um, type issues or questions because I love the keywords. So, all right, for someone, someone who's listening or will be listening to this podcast, let's see what Spirit would like to say to you. All right. This is really nice. Uh, Nine of Worlds Harvest. Ten of Wands. Ten of Wands. Growth. And Priestess. So, this... Um, This message is for someone who is wanting to really open up to their possibilities. And um, I'm inclined to suggest that these possibilities may very well have to do with uh, their spiritual side. Um, nine of worlds. Nine is the ending of a major cycle, beginning of a new major cycle. Worlds like pentacles in the physical. The keyword harvest is saying you're about to enter a new cycle where blessings will be given to you. All that you deserve, and yes, you do deserve it, um, is ready to be given to you. How will this manifest? Ten of Wands growth card. Um, I love it because it has this little baby's hand reaching for this blossoming rose, and it's just a beautiful, um, this is a nice um, collage deck. With the Ten of Wands, Wands is our spirit, our spark, our spiritual aspects. Um, this new cycle 
will be one of growth and exploration for you spiritually. Where will it lead you? Beautiful, the priestess. Uh, in other decks, the high priestess. So I believe that those that this is resonating with spirit is saying, now's your time. You have a new cycle. You will experience, are likely to, I won't use the word will, but are likely to experience expanded growth spiritually and find yourself really connecting with your intuition, with your guides. Uh, and so welcome that. Wow. I hope all of you listening just took something from that. I did. <laughs> I was going to ask, okay. wait a minute, did you pull those cards for me? <laughs> yeah, we, we figured that out ahead of time, right? No. And do we have time to do just three for a, a Yeah, more sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> Two extra, well, one extra card was slid out, so we'll, we'll take that. This is interesting. This is almost coming as a, um, something to watch for, almost as a warning. So we have the, this is the Pagan Otherworlds card. It's almost a weight clone in that the cards are arranged um, similar to like the nine of wands we have, uh, similar to the weight deck, except all the people are missing except for the court cards and the uh, majors. So we start with the nostalgia card. This is a card of our, our past, uh, followed by the, actually, should I go this way? I don't know. Yep, that way. Queen of, okay. Uh, Queen of Cups. She's looking at the nostalgia card. So far, I'm thinking this is great. There may be someone, for someone who's listening, you may have someone coming back to you from your past. Feels like a person based on these other cards. Could be something else, but feels like a person. Now we have the Seven of Swords. Seven of Swords. Um, and I'm going to put these down because I can't hold the fourth card. Seven of Swords followed by the... Um, Nine of, nine of Wands. Nine of Wands is a heavy energy. So what I would be saying, and this, I'm, wish, I'm wishing now that who, whoever see, sees this, hears this, and says, uh-oh, yeah, that could be me, they should call because this is where I would have discussions with the person about what do you think? What does this mean for you? How do we work with this? Let's pull more cards. Let's make more questions, but we'll leave it as it is. So the... the Queen of Cups facing the Nostalgia card suggests that someone or something may be coming back into their life um, from the past, either recent or far back past. These cards are coming as a cautionary. Um, Seven of Swords is something like a hidden agenda or something is not being said uh, that perhaps should be so hidden agenda, things going on behind the scenes that can be very burdensome. So if, if this is like, you know, an old boyfriend that wants to come back or an old girlfriend that wants to come back, there could be some reasons for that. So just be cautious about that. Um, if it's a, a job offer from a job that you left because you couldn't stand it, but now you need a job and they offer it, be cautious about that. Uh, so it just um, comes as a warning to think about what you're doing and not just automatically welcome someone or something back without investigating. And make conscious decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much for that, Anne. You're welcome. All right. How can people find you or contact you? All righty. Um, my website is annhens.com. That's A N N. H-E-N-T-Z dot com. And you can uh, either 
sign up for my prayer list. You can use the contact information, contact me, that is on the website. Um, you can schedule a reading right through the website. Um, my email is there. You can write to me if you have questions. Also, circlesofwisdom.com. I'm there doing readings for them. I'm not there, but I'm doing readings for them every Tuesday, and I'm teaching there. Our online Zoom classes is way fun. Oh, yeah, I don't think it... Did I... Did I don't think it so why don't you talk about those online Zoom classes for a moment? Um, this is pretty new. People, because I do have this, this lovely following that's international. I've had many people say, when are you going to do online classes? And I was like, oh, I don't want to do online classes. I don't have to figure it out. You know, I just want to play. And then COVID hit, and Kathy at Circle said, will you do online? And I was like, okay. <laughs> well, they're wonderful. We're having an absolute wonderful time. Good. And so in my last, in my last class, I had, um, and these were people that had been following me but had not been able to study with me because of distance. Someone from Chicago, someone from New York, someone from Washington State, state of Washington, um, and a woman in Israel. So cool. So cool. That's awesome. So my classes will be listed on my website. They're also listed in Circles of Wisdom. But my next one is Sunday, August 9th. And it's called um, The Power of Words. For anyone who reads, even for themselves, this is a really important class, I think. It reminds us to listen to the words that we're using and be very, very careful. For example, in a tarot reading, you never say, this will happen. Mm. You want to say, this is likely to happen, right. what the cards suggest. Right. And, you know, consciously you say, well, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer, of course. Once you're in the heat of the reading, even if you're reading for yourself, you don't want to tell yourself things like that. Um, it's tricky to catch yourself in time. I still do it. And then I'll backtrack and I'll say, well, this. Right. So um, it's, it's a fun class. I toss out some examples and I say, how would you read this? And people, oh, well, they're going to have to watch out because this, this is going to happen. And I'll say, well, you know. We talk about it. So it's fun. <laughs> but I think it's, it's important, too. And the other one is um, August, Saturday, August 15th. And that's my monthly tarot studies class. That's way fun. We do exercises. We learn new spreads. Um, I answer questions. It's, it's, it's a fun class. And you don't really have to know much about the tarot to join it. It used to be for people who knew something about the cards. But in the past couple of years, I've had people who know nothing about the cards say, I know it's not a beginner's class. I know you're not going to teach the basics, but can I come anyway? And I've always said, absolutely, sure. Great. And they have a wonderful time and they gather what they can and they keep coming back and ultimately take my basics classes, which we'll be scheduling again in a couple of months. Um, so everyone's welcome to that as well. It's, it's, it's a wicked fun. Wicked fun. Yeah. I have something I would like to add. Okay. I have your website bookmarked on my computer. So up at the top of my uh, internet, I have all my tabs of all of the websites that I like to frequent. And yours is right there next to all of my other tarot ones. I visit Anne's website monthly because she posts cards for every month. And that is a practice of mine. The beginning of the month, like, I don't know when you'll be doing it. Um, but over the next week, I will be stopping by your website to see what August has to offer for us. Excellent. Excellent. And even, you know, for people who want to learn the cards, even if they don't care about the energy for August, even if you want to learn the cards, because uh, what I've started doing is um, adding a little bit about the imagery of the card mm -hmm. and then how that ties into the energies for the particular month uh, and some keywords. So it's, uh, I enjoy it. it. I think it's important. And, you know, I love it. And thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your, your presence and everything that you've offered on this episode of Hawks and Lavender Rose. Well, Is thank you for having me. This was fun. Anything you would like to say to the audience before we say goodbye? I don't know. If you're at all interested in the cards, learn them. Just, yeah. just learn them. Get a deck. I think you should start with the Radiant Weight, W-A-I-T-E. It's modern standard. Um, take my classes if you want. Um, but, but take the step, you know, if you're interested, 
try it. Excellent. If you want a reading, just go for it. Excellent. Good stuff. Thank you. All right. I'm Shauna. You can find me at shaunagobrand.com and you can find me at shaunagobrand on Facebook, Life Coach Shauna, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. And I wish all of you a magical day.